Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hill 70 Quantock Ranch, where the horse to ride for your next bull purchase. 6th of February of 2021. In for Jim I'm Josh Sigurdsson. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Today we'll hear from meteorologist Terry Lang on whether all parts of the province can expect a white Christmas. We'll have reaction to Stats Canada's lower canola crop estimates and how that will affect markets. And the farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. Warm temperatures are melting snow, some areas much more quickly than others. The Saskatoon, Prince Albert and North Battleford areas still have plenty of snow and a white Christmas is pretty much a certainty. It's a different situation in some southern and eastern areas of the province that did not receive large amounts of snow in that November 7th to 8th snowstorm. This mild weather pattern is leaving plenty of bare ground, particularly in the southeast. Terry Lang is a meteorologist with Environment Canada in Saskatoon and she spoke with Neil Billinger. Well, it looks like we've got probably in the next five to six days for sure that we'll uh, continue to see these mild conditions. A big ridge of high pressure sitting over all of Western Canada. It's giving record-breaking temperatures up to into the Yukon and even into the Northwest Territories. British Columbia is in the heat, Alberta's in the heat, and I think Calgary is expected to break a record temperature. Uh, so we're benefiting all the way into Saskatchewan from this. And this ridge looks like it's going to be around uh, at least for the next five or six days, and then we'll start to see it collapse. And when that collapses, we usually get a weather system moving through and you get a lot, a lot of wind with it and sometimes some precipitation with it as well. You've had a, a look at the satellite map, and it, it's been a, a clear day. So what are you able to determine from that satellite map when it comes to snow cover, and what are you seeing? When the sky is clear like this, like absolutely no clouds in the sky, we can see right down to the surface and see sort of the extent of the snow cover. Uh, it's harder uh, when you get farther up north or into the, the parkland area because there's trees there, so you can't actually see the snow through the trees. But where there is uh, no trees, which is most of southern Saskatchewan, we can see how extensive the snow cover is. And that November storm really gave a lot of snow to a lot of areas. But the southeast corner was spared. They got mostly freezing rain. And now with these mild temperatures, it looks like most of their snow cover has now disappeared. Extrapolating things five days ahead, looking at the weather forecast, so what type of area of Saskatchewan will we see that, that will have no snow cover by, let's say, you know, Tuesday next week? Well, certainly that southeastern area is going to start expanding more westward. We'll probably see Regina lose a lot of their snow cover, Yorkton uh, losing a lot of their snow cover as well, maybe even creeping towards uh, the Moose Jaw area. The Swift Current Maple Creek areas, they got quite a bit of snow, so it's harder to kind of get rid of that big, thick snowpack, but it's starting to eat away in the, the Maple Creek area, so keeping an eye on that. And through the Saskatoon area, up through Prince Albert, there's a lot of snow, so you know, we're not going to see as warm the temperatures because of the snow on the ground, and we're not going to see as much melting because of that. When you have a lot of snow and it melts, does the moisture settle down, or what really happens? Well, there's a couple different ways we lose moisture from the snowpack, and one is through melting, and it, you know, of course, it uh, dribbles down to the surface, and the ground's frozen right now, but either it'll melt or it'll enter into the water cycle. 
The other way that we do lose our snow cover, and it's something that you don't see, it's called sublimation, and it's where the, uh, the snow turns into a water vapor without going through the melting phase, and it's the opposite can happen as well, which is how we get frost. But So we lose a lot of moisture from the snow cover to the air without it ever melting. So that can happen even when it's cold. Uh, we lose moisture from the snow cover. Terry Lang is a meteorologist with Environment Canada in Saskatoon. This portion is brought to you by Selford Group. Call your Selford equipment dealer or visit selfordgroup.com. More fuel has been added to an already hot canola market. Statistics Canada estimates canola production at 18.7 million metric tons, down 4.5% from last year and below trade expectations. It's also nearly 700,000 tons below the previous StatsCan estimate. Ken Ball is a senior commodities futures advisor with PI Financial in Winnipeg. I'm sure that some of this drop was due to acreage reductions because of all the issues in Alberta in the spring. They probably had not fully accounted for those acreage losses uh, in north and northwest Alberta. Some of it would have been due to that. Some would would have been due to yield. Uh, My yield survey and many others didn't show any big changes, but some possible minor changes. Uh, Overall, I thought we had a pretty healthy canola crop on the prairies, not that low, but with the, uh, the acreage adjustments, you know, it's certainly a feasible number. A lot of people were forecasting that the number would come down a good bit. This will mean having to stretch out canola supplies until a 2021 crop comes off next fall. The crush margins are likely going to have to get squeezed much tighter to discourage some usage. And the absolute price is going to have to stay pretty strong because some buyers buy on the basis of margin, some buy on the basis of price alone. Canola is already quite high, so it's probably discouraging some buying already. But it's got a rationing job, which means it's going to stay quite strong. Whether it goes a lot higher in price depends, of course, what the soy markets do. If they come down, it may just mean that canola will come down a lot more slowly and a lot less. But uh, if, if the soy markets reignite, of course, canola could have a lot of upside here. While canola production was lower, the Canadian wheat harvest is pegged at 35.2 million tons, the largest in seven years. Canada had a phenomenal wheat crop this year. Every grower that I know across the prairies had, you know, superb yields, even in areas where, where, where the, you know, some of the yields struggle in other crops. So I'm, sur- I'm only surprised it didn't go up by more. The world is still beyond amply supplied with wheat, especially with the big jump in the Australian crop earlier this week and now a little bit of a jump in the Canadian crop number. The world's very heavily supplied with wheat uh, for another season here going into the spring. So wheat's going to have a bit of a struggle. doesn't mean it can't tag along occasionally with the other markets, but it's, uh, it's going to continue to be a bit of a struggle for wheat. Pulse crop production in Saskatchewan was higher due to a larger harvested area. Lentils were 2.5 million tons, up 13% from last year. Peas were also at 2.5 million tons, with an average yield increase of nearly 7%. This is your RealAgriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at CanolaSchool.com. Sean Haney here with RealAgriculture.com and Real Ag Radio on Rural Radio 147 on Sirius XM. I'm joined right now by Shirley Brennan. She's Executive Director with the Canadian Christmas Tree Growers Association. Shirley, how are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Okay, we, we've touched into December, and it is, it's all on Christmas now. Uh, now, for, for your members, this has got to be the most important part of the year, I, I, I would assume that? Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm going to say the most important part is the follow-up to the, or the follow-up and, and, and everything before the harvest. The harvest is kind of the wind-down for us. 
Yeah, so, Shirley, what does a typical Christmas tree farm in Canada look like? So it depends on where you are. Uh, in, in Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, it is more of a, a natural stand where the trees themselves do a lot of the planting. In Quebec, in Ontario, and majority of the rest of the provinces, but in Quebec, it's majority of plantations where it's rows upon rows upon rows of, of Christmas trees. In Ontario and the BC, BC area, it's primarily you cut areas where people come in and they cut their own. Now, in Western Canada, we don't have a lot of Christmas tree farms. Uh, they, the ones that they do are primary you cuts as well. Yeah. Okay, because I was in Chile once, and they, they had the plantation where it was like the rows, and so that, that's what I saw. So I, I, I guess, what is the sale model then? You, obviously, the U-cuts are, are pretty self-explanatory, but for some of those plantations, uh, what are, they, are, they usually, are they typically setting up their own retail sh- uh, where they're selling those trees themselves, or are they being cut and then shipped out to like the Costco's and Walmarts of the world? What, what are some of the sale models? So, so when you're uh, a plantation with a, a um, with a wholesale group in mind, and and I might say that a lot of people in in the eastern from Quebec over are really into the the wholesale market, and they ship not only across Canada, not only into the United States, but internationally. So, they typically don't set up their own retail shops. They supply other people that do, but they also bring them to your local big box stores, your local charities that that sell Christmas trees um, and do fundraising. And then they they will sell them to various Christmas tree farms that might not be able to grow that type of species that they can offer. So what is the what, what's the cycle like? So I, I plant a tree, you know, this spring. <laughs> when am I harvesting that tree? Like, how how long does it take? So, depending on the species, you may be able to get a spruce tree ready for harvest in eight years, but it that depends on a lot of factors, like most farming agriculture does. Mother Nature sometimes uh, wreaks havoc on that, but the earliest you would be able to harvest that spruce-type tree would be eight years. If you're looking at a fir tree, you're looking at closer to 10 and 12 years. And we're talking from the moment it's seeded. So, you know, we gather the seeds, we plant the seeds, then we have a couple of years of seedlings, and then those seedlings go to a tree farm or a person that is starting to plant, whether it's a plantation or just having it in your backyard. If I am having a plantation, you got to remember, I don't plant my whole field all at once. Mm -hmm. So I might only plant 10,000 trees or 20,000 trees, especially if we're talking uh, uh, plantations. So I may only plant that many trees in one season. And, And I may do a double season because some Christmas tree farmers plant in the fall and some plant in the spring and some plant in both. So you're always doing portions of your land. You're never doing your full land. So you know that 10 years from now, this section of my land is going to be ready. But you always have that cycle going. So you always have trees to sell. 
This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. Canola and its beautiful bright yellow flower blankets the prairies every growing season with 20 million plus acres. There's one place you need to go to get all your canola agronomic information, canolaschool.com. That's where you'll find all you need to know about seeding, disease, weeds and insects, harvest and marketing. Engaging and informative content all at your fingertips when you need the information. Visit canolaschool.com brought to you by Invigor Hybrid Canola and BSF Canada. Hey everybody, it's Ted Creech here from Hill 70 Quantock Ranch of Lloydminster, Alberta. On the 6th of February of 2021, I'd like to invite everybody to our 51st annual Barn Burner Bull Sale starting at 12 noon. Now we'll sell approximately 400 bulls consisting of Red and Black Angus, Horn and Pulled Herefords, Red and Black Sim Angus, Charlay and Red Balancer Bulls, plus 100 bred and open commercial females to round out the day. Now don't be afraid to get in touch with us. Either call myself, Connor or Bill at 1-800-665-7253. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. The 620 CKRM farm weather today will be mainly sunny and a high of plus 2. Clear tonight and a low of minus 8. Sunshine tomorrow, a high of plus 4 and a low of minus 9. Sunday, sunshine, a high of plus 2 and a low of minus 9. Monday, sunshine, a high of plus 1 and a low of minus 5. And Tuesday, a mix of sun and cloud a high of plus 5 and a low of minus 3. The normals for this time of year, the normal high is around se minus 7 degrees. The normal low is around minus 18. The sun rose at 842 this morning and will set at 456 tonight. Around the province right now in Saskatoon, it's minus 4. Swift Current at 0. Estevan plus 1. And Weyburn and Yorkton are at 0. Moose Jaw right now is mainly sunny with the wind west-northwest at 18 kilometers an hour, and it's plus 4. In Regina, mostly cloudy with the wind west-northwest at 21, and it's minus 3. Back in a moment. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers, mcdougalauctions.com. And brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems, expert in, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems expect the best. An author from the Lloydminster area has written two books about farm wives and is working on another about farm kids. Billy J. Miller says her book celebrate farm wives' passion and dedication. Miller made the move to the farm from the city about a decade ago. I met my now husband in 2009. And at the time, I was living in Edmonton. I was working for the provincial government. And I had no intentions of leaving city life. <laughs> so in 2010, when my life took a 180 and I ended up marrying this fourth-generation farmer, I moved to his farm and I just became immersed in farm life and living on the prairies and living in a rural setting. And I very quickly fell in love with the lifestyle and with the community involved in that and with the people that I was living in and among. It took about three years to write the first book called Farm Wives in Profile. Miller interviewed 17 women asking 17 candid questions. All of the women in my first book, Farm Wives in Profile, are between the ages of 55 and 90. They all kind of, you could say, fill that traditional farm wife role that many of the listeners will be very familiar with. They were women that, in my opinion, truly just deserved celebrating and deserved honoring and did so much for their communities. They did so much for their families, for their farms. 
And especially coming from a city background for me, it was something that as I became more in tune and more involved in the community around me, I mean, I would watch these community events happening at our little prairie halls that dot the prairies. And if someone, you know, lost a family member or the birth of a new family member, it was always the farm wives that kicked into action, bringing the trays of food, bringing the trays of baking, different things like that. And sitting these women down at their kitchen tables and, you know, asking them 17 kind of candid, intimate questions about their lives was something I just really felt called to do. Miller says each woman had family as their main priority. They all center around family. They all center around however many people you have in your family, you know, Everyone's goal is that you have a good family farm. You know, you're trying to make that continue on into the future however way is possible. It's just wonderful. I mean, I'm so thrilled that I'm raising my kids on this farm with this history. We are on a 109-year-old farm, and it's just something I am proud to bring the stories a little more to life. Miller followed up her book with a sequel with a much wider focus. Book number two, appropriately called Farm Wives 2, looks at women in their 20s to their 50s. Whereas the first book was solely centered around women from my community, the second book I actually expanded the scope and I interviewed women from across the country for that book. Simply for the premise, like I said, I wanted to interview every different kind of woman from every different kind of farm. You know as well as I know, you know, Canadian farms are changing, Canadian farm families are changing, and it isn't a one-size-fits-all anymore. And I wanted the opportunity to include women and give women a voice who maybe are doing things differently in their families and on their farm. Some women work off the farm, as we know. Some women, of course, still work on the farm. But there are so many different kinds of ways that these Canadian farms are moving forward. And I wanted to include every different kind of woman I could imagine in that one. The second book features interviews and stories which give the reader a look at life on the prairies. I think it's a great opportunity for anyone who is curious even about farm life because I think there is such a disconnect between rural and urban right now and it's really such a shame and if there's one thing COVID can give to all of us it's that ability I guess to learn more about farming, family farms, where our food comes from, that kind of a thing and they don't have the realization that such a high percentage of farms in Canada are family farms It's so much more than people know. And I think these books give a really amazing opportunity for you to get intimately acquainted with what a family farm looks like. Miller is currently writing a third book that will focus on farm kids and should be finished next year. This time, I want to include boys and girls, men and women. I'm interviewing people of all ages for this one. I thought, you know, it could just have been a funny book kind of interviewing five to seven-year-olds, you know, talking about life, what's life like now as a farm kid. But I thought, what a crime to not include people in their 90s and get a picture of, hey, what was life like as a farm kid in the 30s? Why not learn that from those? You know, they always say it. Something that's so meaningful to me is when an elder dies, a library burns to the ground. You know as well as I do, we live around these people. And the wisdom that is within them is such a shame to not grasp while we have the chance, you know. I've lost some women out of my first book now, and it breaks my heart whenever someone passes away, but it makes me so incredibly grateful 
that I had the opportunity to ask him those questions when I did. Billy J. Miller is an author from the Lloydminster area. The books can be ordered online through Indigo or Amazon. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. Like many other events, the Agricultural Excellence Conference is going virtual this year. This event is hosted by Farm Management Canada, and this year's theme is Prosperity with a Purpose. Reporter Cheryl Brooks had a chance to speak with Project Manager Denise Rowland, who says usually it's a traveling conference that typically shifts from east to west and then to central Canada every year. So this year we would have been out in Alberta, but unfortunately due to COVID, we're going to be going virtual. So the schedule is December 8th to 10th, and we're going to be broadcasting live from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern time. So it will be a little bit earlier for those in the West, but a little bit later for those in the East. So this is our first chance to do something like truly national that we can kind of make sure we have different sessions for different folks. What is going to be happening throughout the course of this online event then? Our first two days are pretty full, and then our third day kind of ends midway. But we have a variety of keynote speakers and panels throughout the day, as well as an opportunity to explore our exhibit hall. So the point of the platform that we're using is to be as engaging as possible, to try to recreate that in-person event as much as possible online. So with our exhibit hall, for example, it will look like on your screen a bunch of booths in a space that you can click on and interact with each of them. Um, And in these specific kind of exhibit hall visit times, the booth will be live with sponsors. So you can have a face-to-face chat with them. You you can have a text chat with them and kind of explore their resources that they have like you would do at an actual conference. And then throughout the day, yeah, we have different sessions going on with different speakers, different panels. And then both uh, the first and second evening, we're kind of having the first night will be a hobby hour. So kind of a networking event. And then the second evening, we'll be awarding our uh, Wilson Lurie Award in the evening. While the presentations are going on, is there opportunities for question and answers afterwards? Absolutely. So each session will have your regular sort of panel or keynote kind of walking through their discussion. And then every session at the end, we'll have a live Q&A option available. So the speakers on the screen, we'll see all their, the attendees' questions come up and we'll be able to answer those live as they happen. Now, I was reading that prosperity with a purpose is the overall theme, but are there different themes for the different areas of Canada throughout as well? Somewhat. So we are trying to make it as the topics that can pertain to like the widest array of people. Mm-hmm. Usually when we'd be out West, right, we'd really make it like western specific topics that we know producers out there would want to hear but yeah it's definitely like trying to scan the whole country we are actually able to this time bring in some international speakers so we do have a speaker named rob napier come um, speaking from australia and we are trying to pull in a few other international speakers because we find this is an opportunity to we're not stuck behind paying for travel and and all that kind of stuff when it comes to international speakers so we are trying to pull in some of that international points of view so rob will be speaking on is your farm business management skills ready for a post-covid era so we obviously are bringing in a little bit of covid but are are also trying to have just our perspective 
not from like a pandemic management point of view either. Right. Now, is it possible, like say, for example, like you mentioned, farmers out here in the West, where there'd be Mm -hmm. certain topics that would be of probably bigger interest, maybe beef cattle, that type of thing, Mm -hmm. uh, other than, you know, what goes on for farmers, say, in Prince Edward Island. Do the participants have a chance to kind of opt out of a few of the programs and then come back in when they know that a certain time segment is set aside for something that they would be interested in? Absolutely, yeah. So none of these sessions are you have to attend, but one that we do have on the afternoon of the second day, 2 p.m. on the second day, we have a discussion panel called Getting the Most Value Out of Your Farm. So we have two folks that are on the panel so far that are from Western Canada. So Sterling Hilton, he runs Origin Malting and Brewing, and he has his own farm out in Alberta. And then Ann Wasco, so she's from Cattle Trends. So that so far is a very like Western specific panel. We are then trying to bring in a little bit other perspective, maybe someone from the East to kind of ram that out, but it's a panel. So two of those panelists will be like really Western specific commodities that they'll be talking about and how they've kind of gotten further value out of their farm and, and kind of thought outside of what, what they were doing before and added new ventures. That's Denise Rowland with Farm Management Canada talking about the Agricultural Excellence Conference, which happens virtually next month. To find out more or register for the event, head to their website at agexcellenceconference.ca. The market update is brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hollis Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. On the market today, Jerome was unchanged at 297.62, feed barley unchanged at 209.70. Canola was up $6.60 to 553.27. Flax was unchanged at 693.37. Lentils are unchanged at 552.50. Oats are unchanged at 266.53. Yellow peas are unchanged at 334.89 feed wheat unchanged at 183.72 and one red spring wheat was down $2.97 to 238.39 back in a moment the livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange call Weyburn at 842.4574 now the latest livestock quotes hello cattlemen junior for Heartland Livestock York with your market report for the week of December 2nd we had a real nice run and offer here this week with 2,061 in the pre-sort and 428 in the regular sale for a total of 2489 The market on the feeder cattle this week seems to be steady to trending higher on a lot of classes. The buyers this week were very aggressive. Here are a few results of this week's sale. 53 black steers, 496 pounds of 233. 64 black steers, 561 pounds of 215. 492 pound buckskin steers, 240. 569 pound buckskin steers, 223 and a quarter. On the red X steers, 509 pounds of 228.75 and 579 pounds of 215. The heifers are still 25 to 30 cents back from their brothers. Black heifers, 560 weights at a buck 86.75. Buckskin heifers at 562 at $1.95. And the red X heifers at 572 at $1.84.75. We had 35 yearling open heifers from one guy at 942 at $1.59. 21 exotic yearling heifers, 1,215 pounds at $1.4650 for a total of $1,780 per head. On the cow and bull trade this week, we saw 367 cows and 49 big bulls sell. D1 and D2 cows, 69 to 75 with a high of 78. D3 cows, 57 to 64 with a high of 66. All the cows averaged 65 and a half. The bulls averaged 90 and a half with a high of a buck nine on a good high yielding bull. Producers, 
We're having our last bred cow sale of the year this Friday at 11 a.m. There's 200 cows listed in the sale with two small dispersals and a few herd reductions. The sale will be on DLMS as we are only allowing 30 people in for the sale ring due to our new up- upgraded COVID restrictions. Please call in to reserve a seat. Also, producers, we're down to our last two pre-sorts of the year. Next week, December 9th, is going to be a one-day sort with the sorting being done on Tuesday. And December 16th will also be a one-day sort. So, producers, call in with your consignments to get them booked. Once again, this has been Junior for Heartland Livestock, York, and thank you, and have a great day. With no prices today, here, uh, here are the Saskatchewan pork prices from yesterday. This is the Hams Market Commentary for Thursday, December 3rd. Hams sold 6,800 hogs Wednesday, selling in a range of 157 to 169 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 7,400 head, selling in a range of 156 to 175 per CKG. Ham's number one sows this week are selling the range of 36 to 41 cents per pound live wheat. Ham's cash hog price today is mixed and forward contract prices opened lower this morning. On Wednesday, the Canadian dollar was up 10 basis points with the daily exchange rate at 1.2934. The Canadian dollar is currently trading at 77.63 cents US. US cash markets are mixed with the negotiated Western Corn Belt region 7 cents lower, traditional national base down 8 cents, while the national cutout adjusted reference is higher by $2.50 US 100 weight. The cutout adjusted variant is responding to some daily strength in the net value of the carcass, which was $2.78 100 weight higher on the daily report. While most primals were in fact lower for the day, Ham saw a whopping $18.96 per 100 weight increase, as did bellies, which were $3.62 higher, and offset the losses in the other cuts. Lean hog futures are trending lower this morning, and while t- today's export sales report is considered good, it is not enough to prompt futures contracts higher. While lower than a week ago, physical shipments came in at 34,000 metric tons, which is still 50% higher than the five-year average for the marketing week, and maintaining the trend that was established in June. Mexico was the number one customer taking 12,900 metric tons. China came in second with 7,400 metric tons. New net sales, often a driver of deferred futures, saw a notable increase compared to the previous week, but nowhere near the highest seen in the spring or late summer. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Jim, here's Josh Sigurdsson. And now, the Resource Report, brought to you by Olympic Buildings. See them for ag buildings, riding arenas, hay barns, and more. Build with confidence, olympic-buildings.ca. The United Steelworkers Union says nearly 500 of its members at a Regina steel mill will be laid off starting December 17th. The president of Union Local 5890 says they knew the layoffs at Everaz North America's plant were coming, but didn't expect them to hit all at once, just over a week before Christmas. The union says Canada's steel industry is struggling because projects are being built with cheaper steel obtained offshore rather than product manufactured locally. The maker of post-it notes and industrial coatings is cutting another 2,900 jobs as it undergoes a restructuring prompted by the COVID-19 pandemic. 3M says the changes will affect all of its business groups, functions, and geographies. The company has 1,900 Canadian employees. 3M says the changes will allow it to take advantage of global market trends in e-commerce, personal safety, healthcare, automotive electrification, and home improvement while deprioritizing investments in end markets where growth is slower. 
And on the markets, Canada's main index was up slightly yesterday, spurred on a broad-based rally and the reverberations of last month's solid performance. Toronto's S&P TSX gained 39 points to close at 17,398. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average added 85 points to 29,969. And the Nasdaq rose 27 points to 12,377. And our dollar is trading overseas this morning at 77.78 cents U.S., that's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune into the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Hill 70 Quantic Ranch, the place to be for your next bull purchase. Mark the right date, February 6, 2021. Call 1-800-665-7253 anytime, any day. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. For Jim Smalley, I'm Josh Higginson. Hill 70 Quantock Ranch, where quality comes in quantity on the 6th of February of 2021. Be welcome to join us for our annual bull sale.